Amen. Welcome back to Chi Alpha. Hope you guys all had a great first week of classes. Hopefully you guys didn't get too sweaty in the dorms. I feel like the campus kind of had a stench to it this past week. Everyone in the dorms, you can see people like trying to put their head out the window. It is a wild experience. Anyways, thank the Lord for like 80 degree weather. Amen. Those in the dorms like hallelujah. Amen and amen. It's been such a fun start to our Chi Alpha school year already. You guys are incredible. I've loved getting the opportunity to meet a lot of you over the last week or so, and I fully believe that God has some incredible plans for this upcoming school year. I think God wants to use this group of people to change our campus forever, and I'm so excited that I could be a part of it. If this is your first time with us, I'm so excited you decided to join us tonight. My name is Derek, and I'm the director here of Chi Alpha. My wife and I have served as the Chi Alpha pastor for the last four years, and we love it so much. I'd love the opportunity to meet you after service, or if you're here last week and in the chaos of trying to get a new shirt and go get pizza and stuff from the after party last week, you didn't get to meet, I would love to meet you this week, all right? Just, if this is your second service, you can still come say hi. That's allowed. Amen and amen. I pray that if this is your first time, that you will feel at home here at Chi Alpha. We want you to be able to feel like you can be your authentic self and know that you are loved by God, but also loved by the people in this room. Speaking of the people around you and the people in this room, as you just heard, small groups are starting this week. That is the best part of Chi Alpha is our small groups. For me, small groups absolutely changed my life. Let me be honest with you for a second. I'm not naturally like the biggest people person in the world. I'm a little introverted. So this idea of getting with an even smaller group of people to sit and like talk and do life together wasn't the most attractive thing to me, to be honest. My first semester, I ghosted my small group leader for like six weeks. Every week I text him like, can't come, something came up, uh, my dorm room flooded, ha ha ha. That actually happened for me, but anyways, that was the only good excuse I had. And then eventually, this is bad, but I met two different small group leaders that I enjoyed more. So I went to their small group like six weeks into the year, and I really hit it off with them. And those two guys and the rest of that small group really became like my closest friends. It was the first opportunity where I felt like I could actually be authentic with people and just show them my true vulnerable self, and it changed me forever. Please go to a small group this week. Go to a small group. You can pick one. We got lots of them. They're all great, so you can't go wrong. Don't be stressed about picking which one. Just pick one and go for it. And I promise you going to small group could be the best decision you make all year. Last week, we started our sermon series entitled Journey of a Lifetime. Over these first four weeks of the year, we're going to go on a journey back to the time of Jesus and examine four different stories from Jesus' life and how that can impact us today. And the goal is to show us that life with Jesus can really be the journey of a lifetime. Today we're going to be reading out of John chapter 4, so if you have a Bible, you can open that up. It'll also be on the screen, but John chapter 4. So before our story, Jesus had started his time in ministry. He had been doing some miracles, meeting the disciples, just getting started. And Jesus was in Galilee, which is really far north, and he wanted to journey down to Judea, which is really far south. In between Galilee and Judea, was this big area called Samaria, all right? Judea, Samaria, Galilee. Jesus wanted to go from the top to the bottom. And it says in our story tonight that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Geographically, that was correct because it went Judea, or excuse me, Galilee, Samaria, Judea. But I want you to recognize something. See, Jesus was a Jewish man, and Judaism was like his religion, his nationality. They were the people of God. So Jesus was Jewish, but in Samaria lived a group of people called the Samaritans. See, that's easy to remember. You have at least learned one thing tonight. Samaritans are people who actually broke off from the Jewish people, 
And they started marrying non-Jewish people. And so to the Jewish people, these Samaritans, which were kind of like half-Jews, it was seen as like they were kind of gross and like wrong, evil, unpure. So the Jewish people did not mix very well with the Samaritans. So in this time period, a lot of Jewish people would actually go from all the way to Galilee and go all the way around Samaria to get to the bottom to get to Judea. They would skip through Samaria because they thought of Samaritans as just people they do not want to come into contact with. All right, so that's our context. Jesus says he has to pass through Samaria. And this is because Jesus was on a journey. It says in John chapter 4, verses 4 through 15. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. This well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well. He drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus says to everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman says to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Our sermon title tonight is Journey to the Well. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you that we get to come back together this week. I pray that you just speak through this word, God, that everything we do tonight is to give you glory. In your name, amen and amen. For those of you that were here last week, you learned that before I got married, I was willing to do whatever it took to get a girl to like me. You all saw the most horrifying video of my life of me singing to my now wife, Taylor. I was what I believe is called a simp. Is that correct? A simp. That means I'm simping after girls. I don't, I should have Googled that. But anyways, I'm a simp. Thank you, Jesus. You guys are all looking at me like, no, you don't want to be a simp. I thought it was cool. But the reason that I was such a simp was because while other boys grow up wanting to be like a firefighter or a professional athlete, I had one goal in mind. I really wanted to become a husband. I thought that was the pinnacle of life. I've had a very strange longing since I was a little boy to find my wife. I thought once that happens, then I'll be happy. Come on. And as you saw last week, this led me to write my now wife, Taylor, a song that I wrote two days after meeting her. Very embarrassing. But this songwriting for girls started way before I met Taylor. I believe I created a folder on my iMac called Future Wife when I was 13 years old, where I wrote songs to the future women of my life. There was lots of women. That was a, no, that, eh. I'm sorry, there weren't. I was really goofy and chubby, it's fine. One example is I wrote this hit single, you may have heard of it, it was called Our Time. Here's what the lyrics said. Baby, it is our time. Our time is now. Come on, let's sing along. Let's rock out now. We're not young forever, so let's act now. Baby, it's our time. That was true, young Derek. You were not young forever, but you had plenty of time to rock out now. You were 13, Lord help him. Anyways, as I was looking through this folder, I found a song that I don't remember writing called Addicted to Love. It said this, I'm addicted to love. I'm addicted to us. I'm addicted to what we've become. 
I need what is between us. Your love's addicting, but babe, it has its sting. When you're gone, I relapse and sing you this song. Well, that doesn't rhyme at all. I don't really get it. But anyways, don't know what the heck that meant, but clearly there's something wrong with me. But also, I clearly had a longing to find a wife. This was evident when I was 16 years old, driving home from football practice, listening to the script on full volume, just bawling. Jesus, why don't I have my wife yet? Derek, you hit puberty like a week ago. You'll be fine, I promise. I was a late bloomer, okay? Don't judge me. It'll be fine. All this to say, very strange boy, deep longing to find a wife. So the question for you tonight is, what do you long for? What do you think that once you get that, then you'll finally be happy? Do you think once you graduate and you can get into the real world and you don't have to go to class anymore, then life will be good? Maybe once you have more money so you don't have to worry so much and work so many hours, then life will be good. Or do you long for success or pleasure, more time to rest, good grades, more friends, to be thought of as cool, to make the best band, to get the starting spot, to just pass your classes, to not have to live in a dorm anymore? I get that one. That's a good longing. But we all have these deep longings. And most of them aren't bad, hear me. We yearn for things in our hearts that we think are gonna fulfill us. The problem is they often come up short. We get a good grade only to be assigned another test the very next week. We finally get that girl to text us back only for us to want to go for more than texting. We wanna go on a date now. And we have to keep going. We buy the iPhone 14 we've been saving up for all year only for the iPhone 15 to be announced. I think today actually it was announced, but anyways... We actually have a discontentment pandemic in our society. According to a study done by Gallup, 59% of people don't feel satisfied in life. 59% of people. I think worse than that, 45% of people say they've not been happy in a long time. Actually, 45% of people say they haven't been happy in two years. Clearly, we live in an unsatisfied world with longings that need to be fulfilled. For me, that deep desire was to get married. And I met Taylor and I got married. Hear me, Taylor's awesome. She's way better than I deserve. I love her very much. But as I got married, I started to realize over those first few years that that didn't actually fill me. I got what I'd been longing for, but I still felt empty. See, we live in this society that's always striving for the next thing. We're never satisfied. We always want more, 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 more. We're a lot like 14-year-old me. We're thirsty. Yes, I meant that intentionally. I thought more people would laugh. This is embarrassing now. It goes with the story because she's thirsty for water and I was thirsty for women, okay? We got to connect the dots. Anyways, all right, back to the story. Sorry, I just, I had to explain that one, make sure we're on the same page. Going back to our story. So Jesus goes on this journey He goes a really far way to meet this woman in Samaria. He crosses geographical, societal barriers just to talk to this woman at the well. Jesus has no business talking to this Samaritan woman because he's a Jewish man and they were against each other, but Jesus didn't seem to care. And after this woman gets over the initial shock that a strange Jewish religious man is talking to her, they get to this point in the conversation. It says in verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is very important. All throughout the Bible, living water is imagery about how God wants to satisfy the longings of the human heart. 
So drinking living water, it means that we can have our deepest desires fulfilled in the presence of God. See, God knows that we have deep desires in our heart. Often we get focused on the carnal desires, like the need to eat and sleep and like shelter and the desire for sex, things like that, that are kind of on the surface. But Jesus is saying there's something so much more deeper than that. And the things we do in life are all centered around actually fulfilling these deep needs, not the surface level needs. Here's an example. Tinder hookups are not just about fulfilling a sexual craving. It is so much deeper than that. Tinder hookups, or hooking up in general, actually comes from a deep desire to have communion with someone else. We go on Tinder, not when we're feeling satisfied and in the best place, but when we're lonely, right? When you wanna be loved, seen, when you feel like the world is against you. That swipe right shows me that I have value. Hooking up is so much deeper than just this desire to have sex. It's wanting to be approved of and for someone to see me and think I am worthy. Or let's think about school. Some of us have a deep desire to get all A's, right? And getting good grades is a great thing. So hear me, please get good grades. But why do we care so much? Why do we want it? Some of you are like, I don't care at all. I got a 1.0 and I'm thriving, baby. But for the rest of us, do we want good grades because the thrill of seeing an A online or on our test it's just so satisfying. We're like, yes, I got 96%. Hallelujah, I'm feeling good now. No, right? And I was one of these people. I got straight A's and I deeply feared getting a B. This was not because it was so much fun to get an A. It's because I thought that by doing well in school, it showed that I had worth. It showed that I was valuable. I'm good because I've gotten good grades. I, like many others, maybe you don't relate, but I feared getting bad grades way more than I enjoyed getting a good grade. When I got an A, I'm like, awesome, next, on to the next. But when I, if I got something lower, I'm like, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart. That's because I didn't have a deep desire to like honor God and perform well and get A's just for his glory and to show his goodness. No, I had a deep fear to be seen as less than, that I'm not smart, that I'm not perfect, that I screwed up. See, we strive for perfection in school out of a deep desire again to be valued to be worthy, to be good. It's not about the carnal desire of seeing an A. It's something deep inside of us that wants to be loved. And we have these deep desires, these longings in our heart, and they drive our behavior. And Jesus is smart and he knows this. So he comes to us with an invitation, this invitation to drink living water. When Jesus offers the woman living water, she's pumped because she's just thinking, living water will never run out, so I don't have to come to the stupid well anymore. Hallelujah, I will not be thirsty. Come on. She's thinking about physical thirst. But Jesus is offering her so much more. He's going past the carnal desire to her deep desires and saying, I can quench the deepest longings in your heart with living water. It says in verses 13 through 15, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again because the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty. You have to come here to draw water. This woman is so preoccupied with just being thirsty, she doesn't see what's happening. Jesus is offering her something so much greater than just a momentary fix. Jesus is telling her, hey, the things of this world, they don't actually satisfy you. He's telling her that he alone can satisfy the deep cravings of her heart. To drink living water means to experience life with God. This looks like living a life devoted to God, spending time in his presence, worshiping. We were just drinking some living water, practicing the ways of Jesus, 
Jesus alone can satisfy us when we live a life completely devoted to him. When we are devoted to him, that's when we start drinking the living water. Because Jesus knows that we have these deep longings and that the momentary fixes that we use to try to solve them will never be good enough. They will leave us thirsty. So I want you to imagine that you see a fish and you take this fish out of the ocean and you put it on like the coolest beach in the world. Will that fish be happy? No, it will not. All right, let's up the ante. Let's say that we see this fish on the great beach and we start giving it fat stacks of cash. We're like throwing hundos on it all day. We're making it rain on the fish. Is the fish happy now that it has money? No. All right, let's bring this fish the perfect fishy soulmate. Like they are beautiful. God made them in the design to be with this other fish. So we bring them their other half. Is the fish happy now? No. All right, the fish takes a selfie or like a video on TikTok and they post it and they get like a million likes. It's so popular. The angle is so good. I look good. My scales are flying and it looks beautiful. Pick starts trending. Other fish are commenting on it. Wow, you look so good. Fire emoji, fire emoji, 10 out of 10. Is the fish happy now? Oh no. All right, let's bring the fish a good time. We'll bring him some beer, a margarita. Get the fish a white claw. We'll have some seltzer up in here. Get the fish some weed. The fish is feeling really good for a few moments, right? But is it happy? Let's bring the fish some fishy friends. The music starts bumping. They're having the party of a lifetime. Sick dance party. All the fish is on the beach. Are they happy? No, they're dead because they're on a beach. We give this fish a perfect report card. Their resume is outstanding. They have set themselves up for success. They are graduating like kuma suma, uma boom loud, whatever that means. They've got great recommendations, clubs, titles, everything. The fish is set up to succeed, but it doesn't satisfy, right? See, this fish will never be happy because that fish does not belong on the beach. That fish needs to get back in the water. If you're here and you felt unhappy with the things of this world, and saying they don't satisfy, I think you need to lower your expectations of the things of this world. We need to stop putting so much stock into these things because you and I were not created for this world. We were created for something so much greater. Those momentary fixes are never gonna satisfy us because you don't belong on the beach. Until you get back into the living water of the presence of King Jesus, you will not be satisfied, I promise you. We are created by God to live for God. And only in doing that, will we get to live a life that is satisfying? If God truly exists and he created you, he knows the best way for you to live, right? So either you gotta believe God exists and you do what he says, or you gotta believe he doesn't exist because believing he exists but not listening to him makes no mathematical sense because if God is God and he created you, he knows how you should live. He created you with an eternal purpose and a destiny way beyond the things of this world. See, here's the problem with the things of this world. These things like partying, social media, good grades, money, sex, they all promise happiness. And I like to be honest, let's be honest around here. They can come through for a little bit, right? Sin can be fun for a while. I'm not gonna lie to you and say that it's not fun for a little bit. I get it, been there. But eventually, eventually they leave us thirsty for something else. Because everything of this world has an expiration date. Your significant other, they're gonna get ugly someday. Taylor's significant other is getting ugly real fast. That's me, in case you're wondering. Taylor's my wife. Sorry, honey, I'm working on it. I need to get a skincare routine. Chase, one of our small girls, told me that today. Anyways, <laughs> they brought what's your skincare routine? I don't have one. Anyways, your bank account, someday it's either going to your kids or it's going empty. Your report card, no one's going to care when you graduate. 
because the only thing that satisfies you is Jesus because Jesus alone is eternal and everlasting. Everything else eventually dies or runs out. Sin promises you happiness, but it costs you your obedience to God, which eventually is gonna lead you to pain because you're going against the way you're designed. Use the instruction manual. I just had to build so much stuff for my kids. The instruction manual was awesome. When I could use those, life's good. If I lost them, life was not good. Listen to the rules. This is why we preach Jesus, and this is why we practice the ways of God, and not just say we love Jesus, we actually live like Jesus. See, I don't follow Jesus because I feel like I should. I don't follow Jesus and do this because I think it's a good thing to do. No, this is my life, okay? You only get one of them. I'm not gonna give my life to obligation. If you're living all your life and doing everything just out of obligation because you feel like it's what you should do, that is not a good way to live. You only got one chance at this. No, I follow Jesus and give him my life because he's better than anything else out there. I've tried other things and guess what? Every time they leave me feeling empty. The reason that we follow Jesus, the reason we do all this, because he's way better than anything else the world's got. We've tried it all and guess what? It doesn't work. Jesus is the only one who satisfied the deep longings of my heart. See, we long for acceptance. And Jesus tells us that we are loved and accepted no matter what we do. We don't have to perform for him. We long for value. Jesus says, I'll show you value. You're my son or daughter in the kingdom of God. You're an heir to my throne. You are value. We long for friendship. Jesus says, I'll be the most intimate and the best friend you could ever ask for. We long for pleasure. Jesus comes to give us good things, fills with joy in his presence. We long for things like the next season. Jesus says, guess what? You don't have to wish away your life right now because I can make the life you're living right now beautiful. I can give you joy where you're at right now. I don't need you to graduate for you to find happiness. Jesus says, I can give you joy right where you're at. We long for a good family. Jesus says, I'll be the best father you've ever had. Jesus alone can fulfill these deep things in our heart because Jesus comes to satisfy our deepest longings. If you want to go and try and find fulfillment through other things, I still love you. We still want you here. Hear me. This is not a place of judgment. That's not what we're about. You can go try the whole world. But I just see reality because I've lived life. I've been in your shoes. And I've seen that reality is, is that pursuing all those other things for happiness always come up empty. So if you want to do that, that's okay. None of us are mad at you. I'm just going to tell you that reality is it's not going to work. Because after I got married, I was like, this is nice. I like being married. Still not fulfilled, though. Another big value in my life is I want to travel the world. And we've got to go to some cool places. Taylor and I have gone to Italy, Costa Rica, England, France, Turkey, all awesome places. And I love being there. But every time at the end of that trip, I was like, that was really fun. But really expensive and didn't quite fulfill the thing I thought it was going to. And the Eiffel Tower is like the coolest thing in the world. But still, I'm looking at it like, you're nothing compared to King Jesus. Only the presence of God can fulfill us. All those trips didn't quite live up to the hype. The only person who lives up to the hype is Jesus. Because he gives us living water that never runs dry. So Jesus invites this woman to drink the living water of life with him. But before she can drink this, Jesus needs to do something. He has to confront her false wells. After she asks for living water, Jesus says this in John 4, 16 through 18. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is very true. I feel like Jesus is a little sassy sometimes. He's like, you're right, you don't. You've had five, thank you. And I bet the woman is thinking, awesome, great. It always comes back to this. 
She thought, can't I just have a nice conversation without someone bringing up my past? Why does it always come back to this? Because he hears reality. Reality is this woman had been with many men, and she, when she meets this religious teacher, she probably wants to talk about anything else besides her sin and her issues, right? It's like if I come to you and, you want to, and I start sharing all your junk, you're like, can I talk about anything else? Please, the love of God. But Jesus just goes right at the hardest part of her life. And that sounds harsh, right? But it's actually anything but. Jesus confronting this woman's deepest issues is the most loving thing Jesus could do. True love confronts us about the things that hurt us. Jesus comes to confront our false wells. This past summer, we played church softball, and my niece Jane came to watch a game. In the middle of the game, our team is batting, and I see my niece Jane start running onto the field while someone's getting ready to go hit the ball. I run after, and I yell, Jane, no! You want to get her, right? She could have gotten seriously hurt. But when I grabbed her and pulled her away, she was so angry at me. I think I scared her a little bit. She was so mad I didn't let her be on the field. And I hate people being mad at me, especially my niece, Jane. That's not, she's kind of feisty. I was a little scared, to be honest. But I knew that grabbing her and not letting her run on the field was the most loving thing I could do, right? The most loving thing to do for Jane was to confront her before she got into pain. Just letting her do whatever she wants. Just say, hey, yeah, run into the field. You might get clocked with a softball and you're like five, but you do you, I'll do me, it's fine. That's not very loving, right? That'd make me a bad uncle. I'd go to Uncle Jail. <laughs> loving Jane meant I needed to confront her before she got into a lot of pain. This is what Jesus is doing with the woman at the well. Jesus knows that this woman keeps seeking fulfillment through men and it is not working. So Jesus brings up the deepest wound in her heart, the thing that brings her pain, because he wants to help her find freedom. Jesus doesn't travel all this way. Jesus doesn't cross geographical, societal boundaries to just like hold this lady in her shame. Be like, yeah, you need to feel bad. How dare you do that? No, that doesn't make any sense. Why would Jesus go all this way to make this woman feel worse about herself? No, Jesus is going on a journey to help this woman find freedom because he loves her. Jesus wants this lady to drink the living water, but he knows that you can't drink the living water while you continue to drink the old dingy water from the well. I want you to imagine that you live out in the desert and your house has no access to water. We're gonna make this extreme. You have to walk 10 miles to get to the nearest well. And this well is not very clean. It tastes bad. It makes you sick. It smells a little funky, but you need water. So you have to keep going back to this dirty well, walking 10 miles there and back every day to get water. And as you keep drinking, you keep getting more and more sick. You feel like you have to go or else you'll die of thirst, but you keep getting more and more sick the more you drink it. And then one day you wake up and a man is at your door. He's been working all night for a surprise for you. He has installed a water system right to your house. This thing's top of the line. It comes right to your kitchen. It tastes amazing. It's like the Fiji water that the rich people get. It's even got a little faucet. You click it on, it goes to Raspberry Bubbly, the greatest gift God has ever given us. Ew, everyone hates Bubbly except me, okay? I love it. That's why every Kyle party, we got Raspberry Bubbly. That's my only rule. But anyways, you got this wonderful water system right to your house, and he says, it's free. You don't owe me anything. Enjoy. So you're set up. You don't need to go to this well anymore, right? You don't need to keep getting sick. You can finally become healthy. You've got better water and you don't have to work for it. But for some reason, you keep going back to the well. Imagine after having this all set up, you keep going back to the dirty water because it's what you're used to. It's what feels natural. It's what you think you're supposed to do. 
Just drinking the new clean water is not enough to make you healthy, right? While you drink the new water, you also need to stop drinking the old water or else you're not gonna get better. Jesus has invited you to drink the living water of life with him. And he says, you will find fulfillment. But he knows before you can get healthy, you need to confront the false wells in your life that you're going back to for happiness. Before we can find true satisfaction in Jesus, he needs to confront the struggles and the wounds in our heart to help us get healthy. For this lady, it was men. She kept going back to men and it wasn't good for her. What I want you to think about is what would Jesus say to you? If Jesus met you at the well, what would he bring up that's causing you pain? What in your life has become a part of your identity? What's a deep wound? Something you need to give to Jesus so you can start drinking living water. Jesus needed to change this lady's identity in her heart from adulterer to daughter of God. She does not need men to be happy. She needs Jesus. And women, don't forget that. You don't need no man to be happy. Men can be the worst sometimes, but it's okay. We love them. There's some godly men here, though. If you, well, we'll talk about that in February. We talk about dating. Anyways. So what is the deep longing in your heart that needs to be fulfilled? And how are you trying to fill it? If you're trying to fill the longings of your heart in any way besides Jesus, he wants to change that because he knows it's not gonna work. It can be tempting to wanna live both lives, right? To wanna be the Jesus follower at Chi Alpha in church, but then to also do whatever the heck we want the rest of our lives. I get it, I lived that way for years, no judgment. But what I've learned though, is that when we try to live the double life of the good Christian, but also the good college student who can do whatever the heck they want, When Jesus sees us in that life, he doesn't just look at us and say, how dare you do that? He's not like, you idiot, what's wrong with you? No, when Jesus sees us doing that, he does look at us and say, I've got something so much better for you. He says, that's just not gonna work. He's not mad, but he's also realist. He's like, you can try, but that's not gonna work. So maybe the reason you're not finding fulfillment in your life with God is because you're trying to mix the old water with the good water but we gotta give Jesus access to our entire lives before he can start fulfilling us. As Jesus confronts this woman about her struggle with men, she tries to change the subject. She tries to shift the focus to some like religious tradition and argument, but Jesus brought us back in. He's like, don't lose focus. Don't worry about that right now. And he eventually tells her he's the Messiah, the one who's gonna save the world. And then it starts to click in her brain. She starts to realize that the Messiah The God of the universe ran to her in her brokenness, loved her, but also confronted her with truth. And this changes the woman forever. John 4, 28 through 29 says this. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She, a woman who had five husbands, in a deeply patriarchal society, runs back into her town screaming, hey, everyone, I got busted. This guy knows all my junk. He knows all my problems. Isn't that awesome? Come meet him. He'll tell you all your crap too. He would love to share your junk. That doesn't make any sense, right? When we meet the real Jesus, though, it changes everything. Back in June, my life changed forever. That's not when my kids were born. They were born like a week ago. My wife, and, my wife, Taylor, and I actually back in June went on this journey. I would call it a journey of a lifetime up to Minneapolis to see the greatest show in the history of planet Earth. That would be Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, of course. Yes, life-changing. Don't give me a thumbs down. I'll be honest, guys. I was a little skeptical at first. Like, I like Taylor Swift. 
You'll find out more about that again in February. But these people at this concert were obsessed. This process of getting tickets was horrible. It took me like all day to be denied, but then the later get tickets, I was literally like five minutes before a Kai Alpha service. I'm on Ticketmaster trying to get it and it didn't work. I was ticked. And then we get the tickets finally. So I have to pay a ton of money for a hotel and parking. And we go out of the parking ramp. And as I like, I feel like the light starts shining. I'm just surrounded by sequence. Like it is sparkling everywhere I look. I'm like, what is happening right now? These different people were trying to like mimic a specific era. Like I'm a red girl. I'm a reputation girl. I'm a lover girl. I'm like what is wrong with you people? They're all freaking me out. And as we're walking to the concert, I'm like, Taylor, don't any of these people want to be original? Like they're all just trying to copy Taylor Swift. Like be your own person for once. Gosh. I was mocking people, I'll be honest. And then we walk in the doors and they try to give me this stupid wristband. I'm like, I don't want your wristband. Like, take the wristband. Taylor should take the wristband or the bracelet. So I'm like, fine, I'll take the bracelet. I put it on thinking it's the stupidest thing ever. We get to our seats. I sit down, ready for the concert. Then the screen lifts up and some weird flower thing comes out. And then she starts singing, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. And she just goes on this concert and I'm stinking amazed. I was enamored. My bracelet starts lighting up with everyone else. I'm like, what? This is the coolest thing ever. Everyone else is going. And I start with my arms crossed. I'm like a little skeptical. I'm like, I'm not a Taylor Swift girl. <laughs> but then slowly the airs start going. And then the reputation era comes on. I'm like, look what you made me do. And I start dancing with it. I'm shining. By the time we got there, I'm all the way in. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I promise you. I'm not trying to use hyperbole, it literally changed my life. I was filled with wonder and awe at this concert. I'm like, I feel like I heard angels like singing, like this is amazing. And then she started swearing a lot. So I'm like, probably not angels, but still really cool. <laughs> and I get it now. I understand why they're obsessed. I am a reputation girl and that's okay. And since going to this concert, I've listened pretty much exclusively to Taylor Swift. Like I should be worshiping, right? I know, but like, but I, I did something bad. It's my favorite song anyways, but that's, that's a bad song. Anyways, I got a proper view of Taylor Swift and it filled me with awe. I drank the water and now I can't go back. <laughs> I can't. It's so much better than anything else I've ever drank. This is the woman with Jesus. Taylor Swift's not Jesus. That's not where I'm going with this. But see, once this woman got a proper view of Jesus, once she saw him in all his glory, she is filled with wonder and awe. See, Jesus comes to give us a proper view of himself. When she sees the real Jesus, even though he confronts her with her deepest sins, her biggest wounds, even though the worst thing of her life is brought up, because it's the real Jesus, she's not filled with shame. She's filled with joy and wonder. This woman didn't feel the weight of her sin anymore. And now she's free to see Jesus in all of his beauty. The beauty of Jesus is that he comes not to shame us. He comes to set us free. See, these women's sins, I want you to imagine that it's like she was chained to that well. So she was wrapped around her leg and she could go a little bit, but she could never escape this well. Her sins made her to have to keep going back to the well. The well is like the things of the world that we talked about, all those things we go to for happiness. And her sin chained her so she could only get so far. She could never run away from this well. Day after day, she keeps getting thirsty, keeps going to the well only to see that momentary fix fade. But when she meets Jesus and she's given living water, 
Not only is she deeply fulfilled and never thirsty again, Jesus comes and takes that chain and he breaks it. And he says, no longer are you bound by your sins. And then after this, she feels free. She starts yelling, come see a man, come see a man, come see a man, and he will give you living water and he will set you free. Once we encounter the real Jesus, we cannot keep going back to our old ways. We can't keep searching the world for fulfillment because we know it doesn't work. Once we drink living water, we'll never want the old dingy water anymore. Once we get a proper view of Jesus and we see that, yes, he will confront our lifestyles. Jesus will not let us roll around with the pigs from last week. Jesus will not let us sit in sin. But once we see that, even though Jesus confronts our lifestyle, we learn that if we are devoted to him, he confronts us not in a semblance of shame, but just to help us get free. And once we see that, we see he is so different from everything else we seek after. He's so much better. So if we build our lives on other things, if our life is built upon our grades, our family, money, even like our morality, our goodness, and then one of those things fail, we lose all hope. Here's an example. Let's say we take a class and it's really, really hard and we fail the class. Never again can we have straight A's. It's not possible. The university's not gonna say, you know what? I know you tried really hard, it's okay. We'll just take that F away. You can have a 4.0, I forgive you. No, once you fail the class once, your hope is gone for a 4.0. See, all of the things in life, when we fail them, our hope is gone because every other savior besides Jesus is not really a savior. Jesus is the only savior that if you gain him, he will completely satisfy you. And if you fail him, he will completely forgive you. Your grades, your morality, your family might be great, but they can't die for your sins. So let's go back to the beginning of our story. When Jesus passes through Samaria, and remember, Jewish people like Jesus and Samaritans like this woman, they don't mix. When Jesus goes to this woman and starts talking with her, she would have been stunned. First of all, Jew, Samaritan. There's a cultural divide. There's a religious divide. Second of all, Jesus was a man. She was a woman. In this time, Jewish men never talked alone with women. It was unseen, especially religious people. So there's a cultural divide. There's a religious divide. There's a gender divide. Finally, something that I think would be easy to miss is this woman is getting water at the sixth hour of the day. The sixth hour of the day was the middle of their day, and it was the very hottest part of the day. And in this time period, women usually went to the well in the morning when it was cooler out. And going to the well was actually a social activity that the women would do together and bond. So the reason this woman is out later in the day is because she was shunned from the other woman. Her past, her mistakes made her an outcast. She was already an outcast because she was a Samaritan woman. She was even an outcast amongst outcasts. She would have been lonely, broken, and hurting. There are so many reasons why Jesus never should have talked to her. But Jesus had to go to Samaria. Jesus had to talk to this woman because there's no divide too big for Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't care about societal norms. Jesus just wants to show love to this broken woman. What we have to realize is that there's no gulf too big for Jesus to cross. Jesus will do whatever it takes to get to his people. So no matter where you're coming from tonight, no matter what makes you feel like you don't belong here in a Jesus environment, no matter your past, your mistakes, no matter how much of an outcast amongst outcasts you feel like you are, you cannot be too far from God. Jesus doesn't care about what you've done. He cares about what you're gonna do. Jesus will come after you no matter what because Jesus comes for the outcast. See, we are all like this woman. We are all outcasts. And we come to this well to meet Jesus, broken, sinful, shameful, bound by sin. And because of this, Jesus has no right to talk to us. He should avoid us just like he did, should of this woman. But he doesn't. There is no divide too great for Jesus. He proves this when Jesus comes away from God to earth as a human baby, the humblest of places, born in a manger. He comes to earth, he crosses that divide, and then he lives a perfect life. Jesus lives the only life that didn't deserve the punishment of death. But then Jesus says, I love you so much that I will pay the punishment we deserve. I will be an outcast. Jesus was an outcast from God so that we could be brought back into the family of God. Jesus took the pain and punishment we deserve so that we can have access to living water. Jesus loves us so much, he says, I will become the outcast you're supposed to be to bring you home. Now all we have to do is go on this journey of a lifetime then we get to drink living water. Our main idea tonight is the journey of a lifetime, it leads us to living water. So maybe you're here tonight and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been running around thirsty as you search far and wide for fulfillment, but nothing quenches your thirst. You feel like some kind of gap inside of your heart. Jesus is offering you the greatest gift ever of a living water. And if you will take the gift from Jesus, he will cover all of your sins. He will cover every mistake you've made. And he'll take away that title of outcast and make you son or daughter of the king. Or maybe you're here tonight and you do follow Jesus, but if you're honest, you've been trying to drink the living water, trying to do the Jesus thing, but you also keep going back to that old well. You keep searching the world for happiness as well. So you kind of feel enchained to the well. You've been searching the world for fulfillment, trying to drink both the living water and the worldly water, and it's leaving you thirsty. Maybe life with God doesn't seem like it's the way it should be. But Jesus wants to satisfy your deepest longings. Jesus wants to give you a life that you could never imagine, but he is gonna ask you to stop going back to that well. But he can't make you healthy if you keep drinking the old dirty water. But if we will do this, Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha, if we will drink the living water and the living water alone, we will have so much joy. Life with God can be the journey of a lifetime. Life with God can be the best thing we ever do. Life with God is not just meant to be drudgery and obligation where I go to church to check some boxes. No, life with God is supposed to be fulfilling and satisfying and the best experience. But it'll only be that way if we fully dive in and commit our lives to Jesus. If we will commit to just drinking the living water, we'll never be thirsty again. Would you all stand with me? I want to give us two ways to respond tonight. So if you're here tonight and you haven't given Jesus your life, maybe you once followed Jesus, but you kind of ran away from him, 
or maybe you've never done this Jesus thing and you wanna change that, if you wanna drink that living water, we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. See, I believe that sometimes we need to do an outward action to show what's happening inward. So the way we do that around Chi Alpha World is what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count, my, or I'm gonna count to three and on the count of three, if that's you and you want to drink the living water, I just want you to slip a hand up, not for people to look around, that's not what we're doing this for, but so you can actually do something about what God's doing in your heart. And so we know who we're praying for, all right? I know that's bold, I know it can be scary, like what if someone sees me? They're gonna see you in the kingdom of God too, so it's kind of cool, right? It's worth it. Don't let fear keep you from taking a step of faith, right? So if that's you and you wanna boldly proclaim that you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior and to drink the living water, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anyone in here wants to give their life to Jesus, I see that hand, thank you. Yes, I see hands going up, thank you. That's awesome, come on. Anyone else? All right, let's pray for those guys and girls who just raised their hand. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you for this, these new members in your kingdom, God. Thank you that we can drink the living water and have life with you. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The second way I want us to respond is we're going to sing another song together. And if you felt enchained to a well, and you, you follow Jesus, but you haven't been all in with him, what I want to encourage you to do is during this last song, I want you to do something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe that looks like you come up here and you kneel before Jesus. Maybe it just looks like you raise your hands in worship for the first time. Maybe it just looks like you open your hands. Maybe you talk to someone. But I want you to do something practically to show what God is doing. If you want to stop being in chain to the well, see, God can break the chain, but you also got to walk away. If he breaks the chain, but you keep standing by the well, he's not fixing anything, right? He's broken the chain. You are set free. Now it's time to walk away. So I challenge you to do something about that. And I also challenge you to go to small groups and talk to that small group about what God's doing in your heart. Because the best way to get in love with Jesus is to process it with other people. Don't just let what happens here stay here, but let's go do something about it. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song, and I want you to worship Jesus, to drink the living water, and enjoy the presence of God. Be filled with joy and worship Jesus with everything you have. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are such a good father, such a good king, that you give us opportunity to drink living water, that we can have joy in life with you. I pray for Chi Alpha to not be enchained to any wells anymore. In your name, King Jesus, we will be a group that is fully devoted to you, full of grace, full of love, but also full of holiness after we run after you, God. We will be people who back up what we speak. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name, amen and amen.